Hello and welcome back to the Lady Lifters podcast. Today's episode is with my sister Danielle. We talk about PCOS mainly, um, sprinkled in with a little bit of mental health and training. Danielle suffered with PCOS. For those who don't know what it is, we do get more into it in the podcast to explain what it is and how it affects day-to-day life as well as training. But Danielle got diagnosed with that when she was around 16. She's now 20, so she's been suffering with it for a good few years. We just have a conversation about how it affects day-to-day life, how it affects her training, what she does to try to feel better, and she gives a few tips to people who are maybe struggling with the same thing or maybe think they're struggling with it it's definitely a lot more common than what I thought um it's something that a lot of women I think she said it's around one in ten women in the UK suffer with it and I also think it's very important that if you're a coach you also know about this in case you've got any clients with it something that's very overlooked by doctors by people by men by women they don't fully when they don't fully understand it they don't grasp just how difficult it can be to live with so if you do suffer with PCOS as well and um, hopefully this will be really helpful it was a very interesting conversation it re- definitely rejogged my memory and I definitely learned a few more things so I hope you enjoy it and we'll get straight into it and start chatting with Danielle if Abel barks I can't help that so- oh, Danielle you better not so welcome to the podcast. Danielle, do you want to say a little bit about yourself? Not that there's too much to say, but just introduce yourself. Uh, I am Danielle. I'm Naomi's younger sister, although a lot taller. Um, today on Naomi's podcast, we're going to be speaking about mainly about my polycystic ovaries, um, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, but there's a couple of other things that kind of come into play with it that I have that also helps me struggle a lot with the PCOS um and yeah that's about it <laughs> you had to get in that taller bit didn't you <laughs> yeah <had> to. <laughs> <laughs> thing I have on you well what's it like being the worst of the two sisters then I have the worst health I'm definitely not the worst sister <laughs> no I definitely I just mean like the b-tech version <laughs> no offense no offense to BTEX. <laughs> so what is it like to begin with just asking what is it like having two siblings that are personal trainers and coaches does it get on your tits a little bit with us always talking about stuff like that or is it helpful how is it well whenever whenever you both first started getting into the gym it was kind of like I'm obviously like me and them we're both very close with or with Lee like our older brother he obviously has already been on and I find it really hard to be in the same room or car as both of them at the same time when they both got into it because they were talking about all these different things that I didn't understand and I was just sitting there and for those of you who do know me you know I talk a lot and I was literally sitting there staring at the two of them like like watching a match of tennis just back and forth like having no idea what they were talking about but now that I've actually gotten into it a bit more it's it is really helpful like for advice and stuff it's really really helpful although I don't think I could go to one of them to personal train me because if they told me to like you know if they pushed me and were like in a session like oh come on you can do this I'd probably either throw the weight at them or tell them to fuck off so that side of things isn't very helpful but for advice and stuff it it can be really really helpful and it's nice to see them both doing what they're passionate in rather than like an office job or something it is a lot nicer to see them happy 
Oh, cute. <laughs> well, I was born to a night, Lee. So why do you train then? Obviously, you've sort of, you've like, you've done it here and there for the past couple of years. And then obviously with COVID, you've not been as into it, nor has anybody because we can't go to the gym. But you did actually get yourself a PT a while ago. Um, and we're definitely getting more into that and more into, you know, looking after your nutrition and everything so why do you train what is the reason for that I think there's a lot of different reasons and growing up I was always I, I was like I hate I hate using this word because I don't think you are fat I think you have fat like you can have fat mm-hmm. and not be fat but I was fat growing up like I had I was overweight. very very overweight yeah I was I was very overweight for my height especially and for my age and stuff um and I obviously got bullied out for that through school, which I'm glad happened because it made me realize that, you know, I have the ability to change that. I don't, not, not that you have to change it. I have, I have kind of, my opinion bounces back and forward on it because I think as long as you're happy, that's all that matters. But for me, when my health was being so badly affected, I had to change it. Yeah, um, so definitely to improve your health then, that was one of the yeah. factors. But men- mental health mental health too was a really big one because you know I've for the past maybe like six or seven years it has been probably the worst for my mental health the past couple of years it improved and now it's kind of hit like a a rut again and you know I about three years ago was when I really started getting into training you know before that I went to the gym I remember being 13 and mum telling me without telling me I was fat was signing me up to a leisure center course for like pre-teens to learn how to use gym equipment oh my god I forgot um, about that <laughs> yeah. um but going through all that you know I did that for other people um I wanted to lose weight for other people not for myself I didn't I didn't really care I just wanted other people to accept me and growing up you know one of the hardest things for me was I was constantly compared to you like I for those of you who don't know Naomi in person Naomi is I would say there's no way you're above five foot no I'm way. Five no. foot one. Thank you very much. Don't be cheeky. <laughs> are you fuck? No, you are not. Um, Naomi's tiny and her I frame take, as well. Like tiny. I take after mom and, very much. My mom is uh, yeah. she must be a clinical midget. Like she uh, she's like, great with four foot grand. ten. <laughs> and her and her mom too. Her mom's even smaller, like or granny's even smaller. Yeah. So I I in the or actual family, like or close family, I am the tallest, which I take pride in. No, I'm still in the guys. Women, tallest woman. Yeah. And I am still only five foot three. <clears throat> um, and I also I very much took after my dad's side of the family in the build that I have. So I have like wider shoulders, you know, I have a broad back, I have wider hips, like that kind of thing. But growing up, I remember one of the things that really made me want to lose weight and like kick in to going to the gym was in, I was in school and my sister was still in school at this point too. And there was this guy a few years above me and he was standing with all of his friends and I was walking into the locker rooms and he was like, you know, like he said it loud enough so I could hear, but he said it as if he was talking to his friends and he was like, you know, like all the girls really fancied her brothers and, you know, her sister's fit. So what the fuck happened to her? and I literally I just remember walking into the locker rooms like it was literally like something out of a movie everything around you just gets blurred out and it actually makes me shake even thinking about how I felt that day like isn't it crazy 
how something that small can stick with you for that long and how that can Um, be a driving factor in you wanting to change even though that's that person probably doesn't remember making that comment but to you that was like a pivotal moment or like something that has stuck in your head well it's it it was what's funny to me now is the people that when I was in school who would have I wouldn't say bullied me because it wasn't like consecutively but maybe made comments like that or that is bullying you know I was yeah but but it wasn't like that he said he maybe said that one comment and never said anything again so to him it's not mm-hmm. to me it's like those singular comments the people that did it all the time I was it was able to block them out but it's the singular comments that really really stick with you and I even remember our hockey teacher if you're listening fuck you um, hell. <laughs> the PE teacher and um, the what the, no there was two one I absolutely loved with all my heart the other one I remember we were playing hockey and I was always goalkeeper again I was fat I couldn't run so that was the best option for me and I loved it mm. I absolutely loved it I, I was able to get my anger out too because you were allowed to you got away with a few wee shoulders into people and all that was great <laughs> and I remember during training one day um she said something to me and I didn't hear and I was like what and she was like your sister's so good at this I don't get it and I was like what that is such and a difficult that- thing growing up with siblings because even like when I joined the school I was compared to Alan and Lee not in that sort of way but in like in the academic side of things and then that just happens do you know what I mean you're just constantly compared it's like just because you're related you're expected to be good at the same things and it's actually that's a very good point because I think a lot of people can probably relate to that and the thing about it is as well you know it wasn't just physically I was compared to you it wasn't just you there was a specific teacher in our school who I won't even say what type of teacher they were because people will know instantly if they're from our school but she hated me because I was Lee's wee sister Lee and Alan's wee sister oh yeah I got that too I, I yeah yeah and she I had a really really I never ever spoke out to my teachers like I was I was very very loud growing up and that was one thing I actually wanted to say because in a couple of podcasts ago you had said you know don't quieten yourself down for other people but it's crazy how much you've changed like even yourself because you know you used to be embarrassed of me when I was loud you used to tell me to quieten down but that's like it's it was like me I did it I was stupid enough to do it for a while it wasn't just you there were so many people you're comparing from my side of things it was more obviously I knew like you did get bullied and people said things about you so I think yeah. from my, it wasn't so much embarrassment it was me trying to protect you which might not have been the right thing to do but it was like obviously people yeah. saw that and said things about that so it was more just me trying to like be the big sister and trying to like protect you and that's that's it it's just it's it was like when you're growing up you just do what you think's right and it's like obviously it's very different for me because I didn't have uh like the dog described I didn't have a younger sibling to worry about like I always knew that my older siblings were there if I needed them I didn't have to worry about anyone but myself um obviously to a certain extent but I just think I don't know I think going through school I wanted to lose weight and I wanted to do this but not from like be healthy but not for myself for other people for validation from other people for other people to like accept you yeah and even I remember even like coming home one day from school and crying to mum and being like why could I not be like Naomi like why did you have to let me eat so much when I was younger like 
to make me as I am now and that was so that made so much sense in my head and now I look back and I'm like why why I cared I see now my my opinion on other people's opinions have changed so much because see unless I actually care about you or you do something positive for my life I could not give less of a fuck about what you think or your opinion on me or anything um and that I think was one of the big reasons why I it was easier for me to get into the gym this time around because I wasn't doing it for other people I was I'm doing it for myself now and I enjoy it now and my mental health it's crazy I don't think unless you have have that kind of lifestyle and you go to the gym on a regular basis you genuinely don't understand how much it can help your mental health and what changed for me what what made the shift from doing it for other people to doing it by yourself and stopping caring about what other people thought there's a hard the filtered answer there, there's the filtered answer and then there's the unfiltered answer the unfiltered answer is I went through a very 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 hard time when I was about 16 maybe 16 17 and I tried to kill myself and it was a really 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 horrible time for me for all views as well for mum and dad like everyone kind of went through it and I had started to see someone and I relied on them a lot um what started going to the gym with them he helped me get into it quite a lot which I owe a lot of it to him but then we broke up and I went you know something fuck this I am done doing this for other people I'm doing this for myself I got a PT as you said you know I started going to the gym I instead of being like oh I have to go to the gym today it was I get to go to the gym this morning mm-hmm. like this is so good I'll get all my emotions out I'll get all my anger out you know you feel so much better after it too and for me that's a hard thing like when I'm having a bad day with either my PCOS or you know Crohn's and and stuff like that even mentally it's it can still be a struggle to get up but that feeling after you're finished is what made it all worth it and makes it worth it you know you don't realize like the best feeling ever to me is see walking out of the gym just after leg day and your legs are like wobbly and you're like oh I could possibly fall over right now like that's my it, it just makes it worth it and it sounds so so stupid but it just it clears my head so much and it's something it's something to, I do for me as you know and anyone who knows me that's listening to this I do everything I can for other people I always have and I always will that'll never change but going to the gym is one thing that is just for me it's not for anyone else it is only for me and by doing and things for other people why. you mean you just try to help people all the time like you would do anything you you know you would do anything to help anybody yeah and I, I I do like I do a lot as you know mom and dad will probably listen to this they say it themselves I do a lot for mom I do a lot for dad you know a lot of my life can be devoted to other people but the gym is the one thing that is just have. for me yeah. and it's not to make money it's not like going to work it's not making money you know it's something it's it's just mine it's a personal thing and I think that's a lot of people kind of forget you know, whenever you go to the gym for the hour, two hours, depending on how long you do it, you're there. That's you time. People think, oh, no, I don't have time for the gym. I need to leave myself time to myself. And that's what a lot of my friends say. You know, I have a couple of friends that want to get into the gym and then I have friends who just aren't interested and they put it down to, no, I just don't have time between work or uni and all this. And I'm like, but that hour and a half to three hours that you spend in bed watching Netflix in the, in the morning or at night, you could go to the gym for an hour and it's still having time to yourself, but you're just doing something active while doing that. 
Yeah, so I think it, it's fair enough that some people don't have it as a priority. Like some people aren't into the gym and just because they aren't doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. It doesn't mean you should try to change them just because it's something you like. But it is that common excuse of I don't have time. And I think what a lot of people need to do is switch out that statement of I don't have time for I'm not making time or it's not a priority. So instead of saying, I don't have time to go to the gym, you say the gym isn't a priority or I don't have time to cook myself healthy healthy meals. And then you say like, my health isn't a priority. I think some people are too easy on themselves um, and try to use that as an excuse. And I think sometimes they do just need to take a step back and say, you know, it's not a priority. And as I say, that's fine. Some people aren't into it. Um, but when you are, you do need to just like sort of be a little bit hard on yourself sometimes and realize when you're being too hard on yourself or when you're being too easy on yourself um, and actually make yourself go. Well, I, that, that was me for a long time, you know, between, well, I found out I had PCOS when I was what, 16. So yeah, 16. No, could have, could have. Yeah, let's get into that now. Let's chat a little bit. Obviously the whole topic of this is, um, I've got a few more questions I want to ask, but I was just going to ask what holds you back from training and things like that, which is obviously the PCOS, um, side of things there. So let's chat about that. So I, I always, from literally, so I, I had my first period when I was about P6, and then I didn't have it. What age is maybe, that for other people that don't do P's? Um, about between 9 and 10. Um, I remember being in primary school and sitting in my class and feeling like I'd wet myself. And for everyone who doesn't know, Naomi only has like one and a half kidneys and had a habit of peeing herself when we were younger. Dang so yes. I was like, oh my God, she did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm, me. <laughs> I'm keeping it real so you have to as well um yeah like when she laughed too much or something and I'm pretty sure I was laughing and I felt it and I was like oh my god there's something wrong with my kidney or something because I'm like Naomi now and then I went to the toilet and same blood and I am the I used to be the world's biggest panicker like as bad as my mom that's only people who knew my mom will understand that and I panicked so much my I must have sat in the toilet for easily about half an hour so my teacher then came in and was like are you okay like you know opened the door like the door of the toilet I was in the cubicle and I was like no I think I'm dying and she was like what's wrong and then I remember I had to go to granny's house and mum and granny had to sit and explain to me what it was and I don't even think you'd had your period at this stage no I think I got mine at like 12 13 maybe yeah so I think I got mine literally just before you got yours and then I didn't have mine for a while and then it came back so I had always had really really bad periods like mum put me on the pill I didn't even know what it was for mum put me on the pill when I was like 13 14 because I was bleeding through so I would wear um a pad obviously with a pair of pants a nighttime pad put a, a tampon in a pair of pants tights and then we would have put a pair of pants over our tights to keep our tights up and our school skirt and I remember sitting in music one day and getting up and I had bled through all of that like all of that that's right and you had really stu- bad ones like uh oh my god and see the cramps like I genuinely people say period cramps are bad and they are everyone who experiences period cramps knows how horrible they are but there was times where I was like sitting on the bathroom floor being sick, crying. Like I had no idea what was going on. I would forget things. Like I would go to sleep. I would finally like have gotten over to sleep, wake up and be like, where am I? 
and it was all to do with like my hormones go mad and stuff so and at the time you didn't know up. what it was like as that was probably oh, no. you know your PCOS coming into play then but obviously we like we didn't they know say that, that- they say that whenever you have PCOS, you get all of your, your symptoms in your late to or late teens and early twenties. Like that's the general time you'll get it. You'll get your symptoms. Um, now bear in mind, most most women, half of women that have PCOS don't actually have the symptoms. You probably don't know, mm-hmm. but they say you get them. So I got mine quite early, but I still didn't do anything about it. I remember going, there was one, I, I thought it was a really, really, really bad kidney infection because I got those quite a lot too which can also be a sign. I remember my doctor saying that if you get bad UTIs or kidney infections, like quite a lot, um, that can be a sign of something along the lines of that. Like might, maybe not just PCOS, but lots of different things. So I was sitting in our um, house or mum's house and our dad had come up to see if I was okay. And I really wasn't. And he was like, I'm taking you to hospital. Like this is enough's enough. I think I'd been off school for like over a week. And he was like, I'm taking you up. So we went up and... um they done like tests and everything there was no you know it wasn't food poisoning there was no all did all these different tests and I remember sitting I think we'd been there for over 12 hours at this point and this we this doctor came in but she walked in and she was so lovely and she was like um we're just gonna have a wee talk to you today about a couple of things I was like okay she was like have you ever heard of polycystic ovarian syndrome and I was like no um she said basically it's you know a syndrome that she explained basically what it meant and the symptoms that I'd had and why I'd been having them. And then she basically said, look, we've done an ultrasound of your ovaries and it's probably the worst we've seen in someone your age. And I was like, great, of course, just my luck. Not only do I have this, but it's worse than most people's. This is amazing. Um, so originally I thought it was going to be this big thing and, you know, I was going to have to go up like weekly or monthly or something to the hospital and no, nothing was ever done about it. About six months later, I went to the doctor and I was like, this is like painful. You know, I can't, I can't keep going like this. I was taking time off, off school, off work. You know, I'd lost one of my jobs because of it, because I was so ill and it wasn't just pain. You know, the pain makes you throw up. It, you know, obviously gives you diarrhea, which mm. also comes hand in hand with my Crohn's. So it was just awful. I didn't know I had that at the time either. Um, so I was put on, the strongest cocodamol that you can get so the 30 over 500 milligram and I was just told to deal with it you're just expected then to deal with it and you know it affects you a lot more than people think um especially then about a year later I I went for a scan every six months and ultrasound um and about a year later so it was about after I think it was maybe actually my third scan after that and the woman was like no one had really spoke to me about the like having kids side of thing but mum had told me about it but no one had actually spoke to me about it what age are you at this point uh 17 right and mum like the one thing mum always said is whenever we we were younger when we were all kids she would ask us oh you know what do you want to be when you're older you know alan would have said like um a fireman or you know a superhero and you would have said like a nurse or a vet and i always said i wanted to be a mum that was always what i said and um, the woman then sat with me in the scanning room that day and was like yeah you know your chances of having kids are very very low which I didn't yeah and I remember just like feeling this it felt like a golf ball in my throat and she was like it's okay to be upset about it but I'm just letting you know like just so cold there was no empathy behind it whatsoever she just didn't care that she had literally just told me that I might not be able to have kids 
and mm-hmm. it was they don't get me wrong they say that to a lot of women and a lot of women can still conceive and still have their own kids but mine are actually so bad that when I lie on the doctor's table and that you know when you go down your GP it, there's one you can actually feel through when you say skin. one you mean one cyst yeah one cyst sorry yeah um there's one cyst now they're they're supposed to be you know eight millimeters mine is slightly bigger than that um obviously because you can feel it um so, so what my, do you do mine is quite bad. like what do obviously when you were told you had PCOS they were like this is what it is like you kind of cysts in your ovaries it's going to be painful this that the other like obviously you know from just knowing you while you've had it your cysts can pop and things like that how do how do you deal with it like can't what can you get them cut off is it not worth it can they shrink can you shrink them so from what I've been told that one that I have that you can feel through my skin the doctor I've had it since I found out really but it's just kind of gotten bigger and you do have the option to have keyhole surgery so obviously they go through your belly button um, and you can get them removed or popped or whatever way you want to describe it but more times more times than not it's not worth it you're better just to kind of let them pop because they're not they're not when I say they're not harmful they can't kill you yeah but, but they are so painful they give you they can give you a really bad quality of life so depending on what way you look at it if you can deal with the pain then great but if not then yeah there is the option of surgery to remove them or pop them or whatever am um, I right in burst. saying that most people just suffer like just get cysts on one ovary is that more common or yeah yeah but do you have them on both or yeah yeah so I have them on both most most women do I know quite a lot of people that have it as I said they're they're not exactly sure but in the UK about one in ten women have PCOS Mm -hmm. and in America it's like 10 to 15 percent of women so same kind of idea Mm -hmm. um so I know quite a lot of people with it Mm -hmm. and I remember most people that have said you know oh the doctor said I could possibly have it but the first conversation I had was actually with um Nicole that I taught with in uplift the performing arts company that I used to teach for and we were in one night and I just happened to talk about it and I can't remember why but she was like oh my goodness I have that too and we ended up having the same GP and everything and we suffered through a lot of the same things so it was really really helpful to have her there to talk to you about it and you know she suffered a lot of the same pain that I did whereas most girls that I talked to that had it or women only really suffered around their time of their period they didn't suffer the whole way through whereas I, my my pain was just constant it's like a dull constant pain um you know obviously there's painkillers for that and you know I remember being in school and the teachers being like oh a hot water bottle or you know bring a bring a wee one of them we heat pads you know we stick on ones mm-hmm. bring those and, you know yes they might help for like 10 minutes and then the pain it doesn't it doesn't lessen the pain it just helps you deal with it mm-hmm. and people don't realize that it is literally it's not like a little cramp in your stomach it's it can leave me doubled over in pain or there's times when I can't get up because it's so sore mm-hmm. um people people really really underestimate how how high the pain you know your pain threshold has to be to be able to keep going with your daily life while suffering through this and so just to recap for like those that maybe don't know exactly what it is or like how it comes about it is it's just like you get well do you want to explain just quickly what your understanding of it is or how you get it can you know can you get it over time what causes it yeah so basically polycystic ovaries 
contain a large number of harmless follicles that are up to eight millimeters in size. I'm literally reading this off the NHS website because I don't want to get anything wrong. <laughs> um, follicles are underdeveloped sacs in which eggs develop. In PCOS, these sacs are often unable to release an egg, which means ovulation does not take place. Hence why whenever like you're younger and you skip a period and you know, I, a lot of the girls I know that have it, you know, maybe get their period twice a year mm-hmm. if they're lucky. Like, it's crazy. Um, it's difficult to know exactly how many women have PCOS, um, but it's thought to be very common, as I said. So that that's really that's all that, that really comes on the website about it because th- how do you get it? Still, well, there's where are I? You can't really catch it, can you? Like it's not like something no. causes it. You just sort of it's hereditary, isn't it? So or it says the doctor this is the thing as well that I have to laugh at is you know I never got told any of this I had these questions and was never they were always brushed off it takes you researching it yourself to actually figure out all of this Mm -hmm. what causes PCOS um the exact cause of it's actually unknown but it often runs in families so for us I know mum's side of the family have struggled a lot with that side of things um Mm -hmm. like the woman you know it's been a hard they, like periods have been really really harsh like or granny I remember mum saying or granny and her sisters and everything else mm-hmm. um but PCOS is related to abnormal hormone levels in the body including high levels of insulin so insulin is a hormone that controls sugar levels in the body which I'm sure a lot of people know from diabetes and stuff and um, many women with PCOS are resistant to the action of insulin in their body and produce higher levels of insulin to overcome this for me I have, so there's a, a gland in the front of your brain that makes progesterone and your levels are supposed to be between 50 and 70, if I'm right, either 50 and 70 or 50 and 90, mindset between two and 300. Mm-hmm. So very, very, very high. It's also one of the reasons why a lot of women with PCOS grow body hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's just one of many symptoms. I'll actually just read out the symptom list that I have here. So irregular periods or no periods at all difficulty getting pregnant as a result of irregular ovulation or failure to ovulate excessive hair growth usually on the face chest back or buttocks weight gain thinning hair and hair loss from the head or oily skin and acne so out of all of those weight gain my weight fluctuates a lot 110 percent fluctuates a lot irregular periods yes um oily skin and acne definitely thinning hair and hair loss I struggled with that a lot the past sort of six months to a year it's been awful I don't actually grow excess hair. Um, mm-hmm. I'm lucky we have blonde hair, first of all. So yeah. my my arm hair and stuff would be literally white. But that's also, it also counteracts because of the overprodu- overproduction of progesterone that I have. It kind of counteracts the testosterone that you have in your body. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't really grow excess hair. Um, that can be really difficult to deal with. Like, you know, oily skin and that, obviously we've both suffered really badly from acne in the past and um, you know hair loss luckily you still you know you said you started suffering from it a little bit more but it's not as bad as the other symptoms and um, you know you've got your irregular periods that in itself is difficult to deal with because you never know when they're happening obviously you've got your pain and then like the weight gain and everything as well like your weight can fluctuate so that's a lot to deal with on a day-to-day basis never mind when you start trying to factor in the training side of things and exercising so what's it actually like you know how does this affect your training you know whenever you're maybe at the gym or working out what 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 do you have to deal with that you know a person without PCOS wouldn't have to deal with 
Well, there's a lot of things. First of all, never mind PCOS, but a woman on her period in general in the <laughs> gym, obviously, you know, like it can yeah. really, really, really affect your training. Um, with PCOS, your pain for me, I have like a dull pain which is there most of the time then I have when I'm on my period it worsens but it comes in like the way people describe it it's like do you know the way in labor people get um well no I don't know because (laughs) well well, we know this god help you if you had a child I would have to raise it but um what's the words contractions contractions um it's kind of the same idea as that they come in like waves rather than all happening at once and then you know you can't move Mm -hmm. so I could wake up one morning feel fine on the way to the gym start getting them like the way I describe it it's like a twinge on like the side on one of my Mm -hmm. sides and I'm like oh shit this is gonna start in the gym your strength my strength is so badly affected when I whenever mine's bad whenever my PCOS is bad um you know like my deadlift I was the last time I was at the gym before Christmas I got it up to like 100 110 um, and I was so proud of myself then the last week before we went off before the gyms closed I tried to do it and got like 80 and it was because my PCOS was really really bad you know and it's not just lower muscles it affects like even my bench press and just your stamina and your your like everything energy levels and everything mentally as well it just like it completely drains you completely drains you it feels like the the day that you're on the worst day of your period um not even just like the flow of your period but you know your mentality you know yourself you get the cramps and the back aches and you know everything the craving for sugar you get all of that but it's just heightened by about 10 times Mm. um and it really just affects for me it really really affects my mood in the gym because I'll go in and thankfully my PT at the time was very very good with it and you know if I went in and I ended up telling him to fuck off or something because I was so moody Mm. he just laughed it off he was Mm -hmm. he was very very good with it and you know he was able to have a joke with me about it and stuff but people don't realize just how frustrating it is that you just because there's something in one of your ovaries or both for me you can't lift a weight the same way you did the week before yeah. like how, how is that fair how does that make sense it's just so aggravating and you can get you really can get yourself into the mindset of why me why why is this happening to me this isn't fair why could it not happen to for example my sister and not me Thanks. which I wouldn't wish on anyway I mean I, I mean I know I know we have our moments and stuff but I still wouldn't wish it on you Thanks. um <laughs> maybe no, it's hard to deal with because even like your periods and that I think as you say it's a mental game and I think you do just have to try and be as positive as you can about your situation. And like, yeah, you maybe don't want to like try to be positive. I don't know, because I feel like being positive is easier said than done. And sometimes you do just have to accept it for what it is. But I truly do believe that, uh, you know, you do just need to accept it. And, you know, I'm talking more about periods here rather than PCOS, because obviously I don't have the experience, but it's probably the closest thing I can relate to. Like that is such a difficult thing as a woman to have to deal with to know that there might be and again everybody's cycles are different but just like for six say you know there's like two weeks in the month where you're stronger and you're fully on it and then there's two weeks in the month where you're weaker your balance is off your energy levels are low um you 
you just you can't be bothered you crave sugar you actually your body then actually needs more calories which then it's 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 a mind game like it's so hard to navigate so for you to have to navigate that with PCOS like wow even my PT now we sat a couple of weeks ago and had a call when I first started with him so obviously I don't just have PCOS I have an underactive thyroid I have PCOS I have Crohn's disease and I'm also looking into other different things that I could possibly have too at the minute um, so in technical terms you're or no sorry in medical fucked. terms you're fucked <laughs> yeah completely utterly in every sense of the word um and you know the thing so with PCOS diet is really really affected people don't realize this and until you actually research it you know god love our brother like when he lived here over the last lockdown he also has a client who has it possibly more than one client who has it mm-hmm. um, and he really he asked me loads of questions he really researched you know they say you know avoid white potatoes avoid white pasta white bread all of that so that's you know it, it, it helps if you avoid all those with Crohn's disease, you have to avoid brown bread, brown pasta, mm-hmm. brown rice. You know, so no matter what I eat, it will probably affect me badly. I don't have a choice. It's dependent if my polycystic ovaries are are okay one day, like if I don't really feel them, you know, I will tend to eat white bread more. If my Crohn's isn't really affecting me, I'll maybe eat some brown bread. If my PCOS is bad that day, like you kind of just have to take it as it comes. But on that phone call with my PT, like a couple of weeks ago, it was actually it was just funny to us because you know he's sitting there trying to work out a plan to get my ass in gear because you know I really want to work on my strength obviously if I lose a bit of weight on the way great but I'm more focusing on being healthy um and we were talking about things and he was like okay so is there anything that you can't eat and I was like well I could I'm lactose intolerant but that never stops me anyway (laughs) but I could eat one thing one day and be absolutely fine. It agrees with, with me really well. I could eat the exact same thing the next day at the exact same time and it could leave me in agony for three days. Mm-hmm. And what people don't realize as well is for anyone watching ES Crohn's, you'll know, it's not just a sore tummy. It's so, and the problem with me is PCOS and Crohn's, you have the same pain in roughly the same area, not the same pain, but you know, similar pain in the same, in a similar area. So you have all of your pain in one place. It's not, you know, it's obviously it affects your back. For me with Crohn's, as I've said to you before, Naomi, like I, there's times when I can't walk, it goes mm. into my leg and I can't feel my legs. I can't, it, the, the pain physically numbs your other muscles and it's awful. So not only coping with that, not only PCOS is, is bad enough, but you have that then to cope with too. Oh God, it sounds like the world's tiniest violin should be playing right now. As I do. <laughs> um, it, 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 it's shit I'm gonna be honest it's shit but the attitude really it sounds really mind. nice I wish I had it <laughs> I know at this point I'm close to the DLA car like come on <laughs> yeah. oh that's bad you shouldn't laugh at that but I'm not laughing it's I'm laughing at my own is it expense or something yeah, yeah. so it's fine I'm allowed to laugh at myself but oh so God. I think as you say being being positive about it is really really important but what's also really important important is allowing yourself those days where you go this is so shit pardon the pun (laughs) and I can't cope with this like I need help I need to do this and the other thing for me is with pain management for my PCOS obviously I'm on the um, Kokodama whenever I rang my doctor 
maybe a week ago now um he nearly crapped himself because I codeine is awful for your stomach mm. for your bowels and I've been on codeine is for those of you who don't know is what's in cocodamol and I've been on it for over two years mm. so it's it may be helping my pain temporarily but not only does it make you constipate it it also is so bad for your stomach lining yeah long term it's not good yeah it's fine he said up to six months fine but over two years it's there's no wonder I've been having so many problems with the stomach yeah it's it's a total issue um and you know that is the one thing I always said that I never wanted to be that person that took loads of medication ever and it was actually me and my friend had a conversation about it last night and I said, you know, it's shit that I have to do this. Really, really shit that at 20 years old, I probably take more tablets than most 50-year-olds do. Mm. Um, but I have to do it. And you know what? Life shit, but get on with it. It's just what you have to do. It's P- PCOS is a very, it seems like a very small problem. And it's not just like a wee, a wee crump in your stomach. It, it, it's, it's not like that. And it's so hard to deal with. And it's, it's like the way someone, I read a, I read an article once about this woman talking about it and she says it's almost like terminal pain mm. because there's a cure for it unless you yeah. want to get a hysterectomy which by all means if you don't want kids go ahead problem solved it's not but that you can't easy do that. you can't you can't do that over here either you have to be a certain age before you can even consider a hysterectomy well yeah that's you know hysterectomy and then you can't have kids so that's very understandable but you said that the doctors weren't very helpful at explaining things or obviously you've got a few different things wrong with you but what what help would you like what would you what help would you like to see from doctors or I don't know who do who do you think should know what to be able to help I think like whenever I look back to myself when I find out and now obviously there's a very big difference of my knowledge of things but back then I had no idea what it was I had no idea what it meant you know this doctor in the hospital just told me I had it 16 16 and I had no idea what it meant you're not taught about it in school I think it should be taught about skills first of all because it's just because it's so common I remember being taught about endometriosis I remember my biology teacher talking about that very 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 briefly but I remember them talking about it um and which is great needs to be it's another thing that really needs to be talked about but PCOS was never something I was told about you know going to that hospital that, that hospital and being told that you're like what the fuck does this mean you're this so thing, yeah. like, and you know you look it up and th- there's a lot of things in medical terms but I think like it's only really been from listening to older women who have experienced it and have grown up with it that has helped me and I think doctors kind of need to have they need to have patience with people and be able to sit down and explain to them you know we've found from other people's opinions whenever this can help you you know like some people really really find it um cold, hot and cold treatment helps so you know putting an ice pack on your stomach and maybe putting a, a hot water bottle on your back or vice versa and swapping it around um some people say intermittent fasting can help it and Crohn's disease and stuff like that you know there's lots of different things they help but it's a it's very much a process of trying trial and error mm-hmm. and I think that doctors need to tell young women who are diagnosed with it like I, I never really spoke about it until a couple of years ago and I started posting about it on my social media and I genuinely, it breaks my heart the amount of people who have contacted me because they can't get through to their doctor and I don't mean three on the phone. I mean, they go to their doctor and the doctor says, oh, it's just a bad period. 
I mm, can I just things. sorry I want to interject on this because I feel like as a woman a lot of what you go through is undermined majorly by the doctor and um, you go to see a doctor and because maybe a man doesn't experience this symptom or this this thing they don't know much about it or if it is a male doctor they don't understand because they're a male and they can't actually experience these things so they're often overlooked or as you said it's just a bad period I'm sorry but there should not those words shouldn't be put together because everybody's is so different I've experienced when I was younger really really good periods went on the pill was fine for years recently stopped taking the pill because my periods were so bad I literally like it was just really awful bad pains bad back pains couldn't get out of bed things like that felt sick hot flushes and I feel like doctors sometimes really overlook that as if like like I think I read on LinkedIn a while ago that there was a company oh, who was it that is starting to give women certain like period days well that's what I'm like calling it. I don't know if they termed it yeah like six days per month if they need to use them because that is the thing like I remember when I was working in London there was a day I had to go home because I felt so sick that I physically couldn't sit in the chair and do my work um, and then I came back in the next day and was absolutely fine but that day had I had a day I could have used to just stay at home and take care of my body and it's just it's something that a lot of people don't understand and guys can often look at you and be like oh man up or this or that but unless you have a womb you don't get a say in this so <laughs> there's one of the whenever I tell people this story I, I think part a lot of people not that they don't believe me they find it hard to believe whenever I was 17 I I remember I think I had an assessment in tech or something and I didn't go to it because my my pain was so bad and I was like right this is just PCOS whatever that I just have to deal with it tried to go um to tech got on the train and had to get Organda to come and pick me up at Carrick because I physically thought I was going to pass out like I I used to faint quite a lot when I was younger anyway but I genuinely thought I was going to pass out on this train something was going to happen to me mm-hmm. he came and picked me up I went he took me straight to the doctors he did you know he was like go in there and tell them you need to see someone now so I did obviously this was long before COVID um spoke with the doctor doctor did I give you urine sample tested it in front of me and she it wasn't even he it was she she was like yeah you just have a really bad kidney infection you know it looks really really it does look quite bad I'll give you some antibiotics and I'll send you home I was like right okay that was on I want to say like the Thursday um, I worked in a clothes shop at the time and we were staying at our dad's house and I went into work on the Saturday and it was awful I kept needing I kept running to the, the bathroom but what happened on the Friday I had told my boss that if I need to go to the toilet I don't care if it's 10 times in one shift I have to go and I was serving this line of people and I was like I really really need to go to the bathroom can you please take over she was like standing talking to one of her friends she was like I'm busy so I served this line of customers made it halfway to go to the bathroom it wasn't just a case of going in the back you had four like four metal um stair flights to go up Mm -hmm. by the time I got the second flight I just started wetting myself and I was Mm -hmm. so embarrassed I remember ringing dad and being like can you just bring I was with him when you did that I was like, can you please just bring me down a fresh pair of trousers? Like my boss wants me to stay here. And the other woman I was working with was crying because she was so, she felt so sorry for me. And dad came in, wrapped his coat around me and was like, she is not coming back and marched me out. Mm. So Saturday morning, then I went to the hospital. 
the male doctor who dealt with me basically told me my boyfriend was cheating on me and I had an STD, even though they hadn't tested me. He said, we're going to send you to the Royal to get tested on Monday, but it's, we're pretty certain that's what this is. And I was like, oh my God, of course, and emotionally and mentally, I was breaking down. Like, so he I just jumped to this conclusion and just said, you've got an STD. So what, like, actually, what was it? He's like, more than like you have an STD. Um, walked out of the hospital, had to tell my dad this, which of course is not a comfortable conversation to have yeah. with your dad. Um, went home, went to the Royal on the Monday and the woman automatically, the minute I explained my symptoms, also, this is the thing, that night, the, the male doctor had given me an internal exam um, and about three, four hours later after I got home, I started to bleed and I was like, okay, maybe that like, I have my period two weeks ago, but maybe that's just from doing the internal exam. But there's blood clots and stuff. I was like, this is really weird. Went to the doctor or the hospital on the Monday, the Royal. And the woman was like, okay, no, like, why are you even, why did he even send you here? Like how ignorant is this doctor? And I was like, I know I, I've, I, you know, but I have to get tested. tested me. And she brought me upstairs um, whatever level it was on and gave me a scan. And I remember just her face just going and like, she just turned gray. And I was like, oh shit, I'm pregnant. I am, that's what this is. Like, I'm actually going to, oh, I, I just did not want to be pregnant at all. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh God, came out. And she brought me into this room and there was a wee woman sitting there and, you know, she was in like a wee suit, a wee dress suit. And I was like, is this like social services or something? Like, I'm not a child anymore. What's going on? Yeah. And they sat and to me that I had an ectopic pregnancy, which mm-hmm. could have killed me. Mm-hmm. And because doctor was so ignorant and didn't think about that didn't think about the other options it was nah she just has an std they just underplay it so much don't they like i could have died that's definitely on his hand yeah that is definitely a big issue um i've read a few books that have mentioned things like this before one's it's like florence gibbons and women don't know you pray and another one got the the word woman in the title and it basically just talks about how the world is designed and made for men and how like quick you know side note here a woman's symptom for a heart attack is completely different for a man so if I were to say to you what's the symptom for a heart attack what would you say the pain in your chest Um, yeah down your arm and then they say like you smell burning and taste metal yeah well the main one would be a pain in your chest pain in your heart well that's not that's that's a man's that's what a man would feel a lot of women feel pain in their stomach so they go to the doctor and they say I've got this they say I've got this shooting pain in my stomach and then the doctor passes it off completely doesn't even consider a heart attack because they haven't mentioned their heart and then these women could go on to die or have severe consequences and side effects from not getting this sorted straight away and I just think in one mind I'm like oh but it is complicated you know how's a doctor meant to know but then they're a doctor and what they shouldn't just be considering the male symptoms and they definitely shouldn't be brushing off these things that women have to deal with it is just completely undermined and I don't think there is enough education for people out there that do have it and that don't have PCOS and all these different things I think maybe something from this is coming from me who doesn't suffer from this but what about you know are you part of any like forums or groups Facebook groups um whatsapp groups i don't know are there any would that help you like to actually have a discussion to hear women's stories you know even like this podcast for example i wanted to do it to create a conversation around this because it's either an area that a lot of people don't know about um 
or like because they don't experience it or somebody might be suffering from this and not actually fully understand how they can help it or like as myself as a coach or other coaches you need to be aware of this to be able to deal with a client and help a client that has these sorts of issues and things wrong with them because if you're not educated in it do you know what I mean like we need to be educated too um so hopefully this will help people I think it's it's really really important it's hard for other people who don't experience it I will say like there's only so much you can understand because you don't have it yeah and one thing I will say it isn't just men no like there's women. like your boss I've worked with your old boss yeah like my yeah yeah oh my god she she actually lost her job because of that because the woman who was working with me that day reported her and left the minute I left she left about two days later and I do understand, as you, you've said, it's hard, you know, there is only so much you can understand if you don't suffer from this. It's the same with any issue, any disease, anything like that. There's only so much you can actually get if you haven't experienced it before. Um, but don't be a dick. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think yeah. you do maybe just need more education out there. So like I think things like this podcast to raise awareness and um, for people to understand a little bit more about it um are there any Facebook groups out there or like Twitter pages you can follow or websites blogs there definitely is but for me whenever I was in a few ones on Facebook and I'm pretty sure I followed an Instagram page um and to be honest at the minute I think I know a lot like nearly as much as I can know at the minute for myself um about how to help myself and whatever else and I find a lot of those Facebook groups are clueless women trying to find like they are so exhausted of trying to find help and like there's a there's one of my friends from school messaged me yesterday and I'm calling her tonight to talk about it because her doctor being like mm, yeah I think you might have it and that was about three months ago mm. and she is genuinely trying to push to see if she has this to deal with it um, you know, I've I've made friends through things from posting about stuff on social media. The amount of friends that I've made from it who also suffer from this horrible, you know, syndrome. Condition, it's yeah. condition. Yeah, it's 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 awful. But I just think, I think as you say, the more it's spoken about, because people, what people don't realize when you say, for example, one of the symptoms is irregular periods. People think, oh, you know, you you miss your period. No, I was on my period for over three months at one yeah. stage. Three months. Can, and I don't mean staining I mean continuous bleeding for 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 over three months I'm pretty sure it was just over three months and you know that's just that's that's ridiculous to expect someone to have to live with that which I then changed my pill and you know it helped I just think it needs to be spoken about more I think women need to stop doing what I did for so long and going it's just my period and it's just what I have to suffer with you don't have to suffer through that by yourself and mm-hmm. without any help go and talk to someone and my advice although it sounds sexist the what to be to be fair the one doctor who has really 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 listened to me is a man the female doctors didn't I think that's the other thing too women there's it's not just men who you know are degrading about it women can be like oh wise up to your period deal with it you have to do it I've done it for this many years you can do it you know that there is that side of it too and I want to make that really clear because there's people like you know our brother and my PT and whatever who are amazing when it comes to talking about periods and stuff like they genuinely have such empathy for us because of what we have to endure um and I think more people need to be like that and you just give yourself a break like as you say things like this like I really hope that if this even helps one person 
who's suffering through this or you know thinks they might have this and has listened to this and been like no that's exactly the same symptoms I have you know obviously feel free to message me or you about it and you know then go talk to someone go to go to the doctor and keep going until someone listens don't give up at the first hurdle because that was my mistake I was going to ask you what would your three tips be um but you've sort of actually literally just touched on that so probably one would be like persistence and keep going on and on and on and get it sorted yes at the minute with COVID and getting to the doctor it could be quite difficult but probably keep pushing because if you don't you're not going to um you know you're not going to get anywhere Uh, you said earlier trial and error you are unfortunately just going to have to try a lot of stuff and then yeah just try to chat to people talk to people is there anything else you think the advice you would give to somebody that is either suffering with it or maybe thinks they have it or I would say for me attitude and your outlook on it is a big thing and that is so much easier said than done Mm -hmm. like being positive when you're on your worst day of your worst pain oh my god is it feels like you're trying to climb Mount Everest with no hands like that's it's awful it's it's ridiculous to even try and expect that for yourself but see at the same time stress makes it worse stress makes and stress and anxiety make it worse so trying your best to stay positive and knowing that it's not going to kill you yes it can it can really really make your life shit at times but knowing that you know and like for me I have a lot of support around me between my friends and my family and you know doctors that are now finally listening to me listening to me and taking what I have to say on board you just need to try and stay positive and know it's same with anything like but see it's so much easier said than done at the minute that's when you feel really like the best it was me me and my brother spoke about it too when you feel pathetic that's a very good word to use I think because yeah. especially going through something like this it's you it's not other people that are doing it to you it's yourself your body is attacking itself it yeah. hates itself you feel so lost and so on your own and it's the same with everything like with the breakup and stuff there's only so much you can do but if you're doing as much as you can you know like you can you can be comfortable and confident in yourself that you're doing everything to help your health and I think that's just the main that's the main thing is 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 try your hardest to stay positive and you know research as as I've had to do and find as you say trial and error stay positive and just talk about it so what have you found that works for you at the minute you know you said sometimes like hot cold will help somebody um you know rest what would your go-to thing obviously you've suffered with it now for a few years what would your go-to few things be whenever whenever I was in a relationship my worst my worst thing that I had was thinking that curling up into a ball in bed watching a movie with that person was going to help me Mm -hmm. um it doesn't I well for for me personally it doesn't yes at night time getting an early night you know and getting a good night's sleep helps but for me, avoiding really, really, really rich foods, including like really high sugar foods, the really high fat foods, things like that, you know, of that's what you crave on your period, but it's different with PCOS. I think drinking a lot of water can help. I don't know how, I don't know the science behind it. I just know it helps. Water and is good for everything. <laughs> very, very, very light exercise, like go on a walk. And I don't mean doing a 5K, go on a light walk is so helpful because, you know, it, it, it just, it's like your muscles, it stretches your muscles and blah, 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 blah. I've heard people say yoga really, really helps, but I just think light exercise, drinking lots of water, avoiding really, really rich foods. You know, I love, I have about six hot water bottles in this house and mm-hmm. there's 
always one in use because between Crohn's and PCOS, they're a lifesaver. Heat pads for when you're on the go are great. Um, obviously, they're not really environmentally friendly, which I'm trying to avoid buying them because of that. Yeah. Um, but needs masks. But they are good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not being funny, but I'd rather not cry a day and use one of them than, yeah. you know, it makes more sense. Um, I, what, what's, I don't know if it's a mental thing or not, but what really helps me is... Um, like just standing and making a cup of tea and sitting down and drink feeling the warmth of it, it I think it's more of a mental thing mm. or what our mum used to always do for us I don't know if you remember this she probably will she still does it she always says a yellow cloth like a duster you know like what you used to dust that's with. definitely Fold an old vibes no, tale yeah no it is it well it 100% is it's a placebo completely but if see mentally if your head thinks that works it will work yeah so like whenever um, mom's got a sore stomach or whatever she always puts yellow cloth on it doesn't she that's mental yellow actually. t-shirt do you know what if something works for you if you if, if something actually helps relieve your pain I don't care what it is if it helps do it like you know you have to do the only other want. thing the only other thing that helped me which I've only done a couple of times when no, I mean I do this whenever I have like excruciating pain is I put my feet in warm water, put a cold face cloth on my head and put a hot water bottle on my stomach. Mm-hmm. So like I literally, the last time I sat on the bench beside the sink, put my feet in the sink with warm water in it, put a cold face cloth on my head and put a hot water bottle on my tummy. And it must just be a di- like the change in all the temperatures and stuff, just somehow re- helps regulate your body. And it, it really, really helped That's me. That's meant to help with apart migraines that, as well. Yeah, apart from that, I just think it's, it's okay other people telling you what helps them. But there's things that help my friends who have it that literally do nothing for me. It's yeah. just trial and error. So it's just, uh, yeah, trying out different things, asking different people advice and taking everything with a pinch of salt. Um, I just want yeah. to go back to just the gym quickly before we wrap things up. Um, because obviously this, for me, say, if I have a goal of going to the gym and building strength, building muscle or losing fat, it's relatively straightforward so say your goal is fat loss and you know I go to the gym I eat a little bit less you know I might up my energy expenditure so go on more walks um, and go really really hard on my workouts and I'm probably gonna see results um what about you how is it harder to lose weight or gain muscle with having PCOS so the way I was the way I was saying to you earlier on our phone call earlier I, in the past wee while, have lost quite a lot of weight. Um, the past couple of weeks, I've lost quite a lot of weight in, in a very unhealthy way because I've had absolutely no appetite. Um, and the weight has seem, seemingly has fallen off me. And it's so annoying because when I try to lose weight, I could be in a calorie deficit. I could be going to the gym three times a week, going, you know, doing more than Taking my all the steps a day. Everything, doing everything that I possibly can to lose weight in a healthy way. And I could gain weight. My, my biggest thing my the the probably one of the only things that I'm unhappy with in my body is my tummy mm-hmm. I hate the fact that I have a tummy um 99 of people do it's not it's not that I want to completely get rid of it it's not like that shit doesn't work like that you know you have a pr- protective layer there for your organs that's what it is it's and not women, always just fat women definitely do hold more fat there as sorry, well um I know yeah, I like was, you said I'm petite even though you said I'm petite and I'm small and I'm this and I'm that, 
genetically you know I can that's where I store most of my fat and if I do lose weight that is where it holds on to so I might look relatively slim elsewhere like my arms maybe my especially my face but my belly always has a little bit of podge on it and you know what I'm trying to accept that and especially being a woman a lot of women say to me how do they lose that little pouch at the bottom of their belly or this that the other like it's hard to say this to people but you just have to accept that you're a woman and that we do carry more fat genetically especially going from your teens into your 20s I did a post on that the other day that is your body changing because women childbear and can have babies not that you every woman should if you don't want to that's completely fair but that is why our body does the way does what it does and holds on to fat and why we have hips and our hips widen and this that the other because it's getting ready for like childbirth and childbearing so you know just try to one of the main things with with pcos your weight there is more fat held around your stomach. That is one of the things around your, sorry, around your abdomen, not your stomach, because your stomach's actually quite high up, but your abdomen, um, you you hold more fat there. And that's just the way it is. Like, you feel I, quite bad, don't you? Is that from the PCOS or is that from both. the Crohn's or a mixture of both? <laughs> both. Um, so my bloating, most people, do they? Most people go to bed at night and they're quite bloated from eating during the day and they wake up that's in the morning. Not bloated, morning that's just morning. like they expand because they have food in their body, but yeah. Or some people might eat something yeah. that can severely bloat them, yeah. You go to bed and your tummy looks bigger than it does when you wake up in the morning because obviously your your body digests food overnight, blah, blah, blah. I could wake up in the morning with my stomach bloated more than I went to bed with. And it's, it's like, or I could put a, the way most people do it, most people get it from eating. Like I could put a pair of jeans on in the morning and they could be literally like a size too big on me. I could eat nothing or I could eat like everything. And either way, my stomach will bloat. Like generally at the minute, I don't know why, but with almost everything I eat, my stomach bloats. There's very, very little I can eat with and my stomach won't bloat. Um, so I, we're not talking about just like everybody eats and they're like their stomach fills up again I did a post on that a while ago showing my body change throughout the day as you eat uh, we're not talking about that we are talking about actual blow I have I have pictures on it from my Instagram and stuff that my stomach literally it jet and I have no I'm not saying this to like make myself sound bad because it's not my fault I literally look about six months pregnant easily about six months pregnant and it is so painful and uncomfortable and there's nothing you can really do you know you can take medication but it doesn't always help it's still there um it just makes you feel so horrible because for example I could have lost maybe like a kilogram and a kilogram two kilograms whatever and I still look bigger than I did before I lost the weight because I'm so bloated Mm -hmm. and that's that's there's not really much you can do about that. That's more of like an internal thing. More of you, that's more for you to accept yourself and understand that, as you say, you're a woman. Yes, it's shit, but it's the way you are, and you have to accept it. But yeah, just like you look at celebrities and Instagram models and all this, and they all have, you know, like no belly, but they have really big bums and big boobs and conditions. It's about accepting that you have it and just trying to find a way to move forward rather than being upset that you have it. Yeah, and that's obviously easier said than done because, you know, in today's day and age, you do compare yourself to a lot of people and you might think that they don't have it. Why do I have it? It's sort of just learning to, what's that saying? You know, like accept the cards you've been dealt or like play the cards you've been dealt and just learn how to best manoeuvre life to suit you. Um, 
this is obviously coming from me who doesn't suffer from PCOS, but I think no, that's that, one, no, that, what that, I can conclude. Really? Yeah, what I can conclude from the conversation is research, uh, don't depend on doctors. Um, talk to other people, try to get advice. Um, thank you for chatting about it because it's definitely not talked about enough. Um, I've definitely learned a few things, you know, even though I've lived with you and you're my sister, even chatting about it in depth, you do just remember a few things or learn a few things. So you sometimes share about it on your social media as well, don't you? You'd like do a few posts or like on stories and that. So that's obviously you trying to raise awareness for it as well. Um, and like, that's what I was going to say to anyone who's listened to this, who, you know, struggles with it or maybe thinks that they struggle with it and they're not sure or just want to talk to someone about it. I like, I reply to every person who messages me. I'm just there to talk to if people need me. Yeah. And that's one thing I want to make clear. I don't care who you are. I don't care if I've never spoke to you in my life before or Naomi doesn't know you and has never spoke to you before. Like you're more than welcome to message me to talk about it if you need to. Cause that's, that's what I needed at that time. And I didn't have it. I didn't have someone that wasn't a doctor to talk to you about it. You know, and there is, there's a lot of downsides to social media, but that is a very good like upside is that you can find people that you can relate to, whether it's, you know, to do with PCOS or whatever. That is one of the good things yep. about social media is the fact that you can just connect with people that you relate to. Um, yeah. So what is, do you, what, what's your Instagram at your handle or whatever it's called? It's literally just danielle.murray like full stop murray and that's it right i'll leave it in the comments for people below anyway in case anybody can't spell danielle because apparently some people apparently there are different <laughs> ways of spelling it anyway um but i will leave that down below um i think this has been a great conversation definitely thank you for chatting about it because i think uh, hopefully it'll be very insightful for people to actually listen to and people to relate to because as you said a lot of people do actually suffer from it so it'll be good for coaches too though I think because that's one thing even like my PT said you know he loves hearing me talk about it because it helps him get an understanding so yeah if and you are it. listening and you're, a, and you're a PT you are a coach please take into account that especially for what like obviously guys have their own struggles but for women it isn't just a period you know and for people who have PCOS it's it, it affects your whole life so just and if that's something one of your clients maybe has and they mention, look into it and, and even if it understand is quote, just a period there's no such thing you do need to take periods and all of these things into consideration and not brush them off and don't think your clients are being lazy um and don't think that they don't you know if somebody it's about showing up if you're suffering with these things show up and tell a person how you're feeling if that literally means you going on the treadmill for an hour and having a chat and a therapy session then by all means I'm you know if your coach is good enough they're not going to have a problem doing that they're going to adapt to how you're feeling and they should be able to adapt to as well so just be open and honest and clear and let them know and communicate with them um but yeah. we'll leave it there for today do you have any final concluding sentences you'd like to add just give yourself a break nice like and that. I don't mean in a I don't mean in a sense of let yourself sit there and do nothing all day I mean give yourself a break in the sense of allow yourself to be not okay with what's happening to your body but learn how to then move forward with it and that's be learn to be in touch with your body that's all I can say yeah that's a very nice concluding sentence so we will leave it there for today everybody thank you for listening um it's been 
a very nice podcast to do. I've definitely enjoyed it. And as I say, you know, it jogs my memory and helps me, somebody who doesn't even suffer from it. Um, so yeah, I hope you got some information from this today, some valuable information that you can take forward or pass on to other people or help yourself or somebody else with. And I hope everyone's been able to understand us. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing. I hope you've been able to understand us because um, I think we talk very fast and I think my accent comes out stronger when I talk to people at home. So <laughs> there we go. So that was it. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. It's definitely very eye-opening for me as a woman, a sister, a coach to hear about all the struggles that Danielle herself goes through. Obviously, everybody is going to be a little bit different. And just because Danielle has these side effects and experiences doesn't mean yours is going to be exactly the same. Um, take everything with a little pinch of salt. Uh, try things out, chat to people and just try to do your best to find what's going to work with you. It's a very difficult thing to live with, but I definitely loved having the conversation. I feel a lot more knowledgeable now. So yes, I hope you enjoyed listening. Hopefully we'll have a lot more interesting topics to talk about soon um, and give you a chance to learn and, you know, relate to something if you suffer from it. But yeah, have a good day. Hope you enjoyed and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.